This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. So I'm starting a new series today. I look back over the last 25 years that I've been teaching, uh, started out here, and I've got a file, and I've got every single thing that I've ever taught on, just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes, 25 years of it. And I said, my goodness gracious, you know, because when you think of one thing and you have to go digging, and I said, man, I'll never find it. I'll just restudy it. <laughs> but some of the, over the last three three years or so, some of the things that I've, this is part of my lesson I'm feeding into it this morning. I've taught on the temple. It's set up, everything in it, everything that's used, how it was set up, the two veils and, and uh you know, the veil of the temple. And because and we're talking a little bit about that today because of the Christ became our Passover, but a few people really know much about the veil. I did a real big study on it. The veil of that temple was 30 foot long, 30 foot high, and four inches thick. And them Jews, when they built it, put horses on each quarter and tried to rip it with horses and just tried to rend it to make sure it was fit for the temple. This is important because when Christ became our Passover, when he says it is finished and the Bible says the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, it was God coming down and just ripped that thing right in half and Christ became our Passover, which was that veil was the only entrance to get to the Holy of Holies, to get to God. Only way. And only the priest could go. There was a first veil where the service of the temple was, but I'm not I'm not pre teaching on the veil this morning. Just, 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 but we'll get into part of it because it's part of my lesson this morning. And believe it or not, but that's a to me that's a powerful thing. That thing, you know, a miracle in itself. Because when Christ became our Passover, and that veil was rent in twain, their power was gone, and Christ became our avenue to reach God one on one as people. What does that have to do with Mount Ararat? I'll get to that in a minute. That's what I'm starting to teach a series on, the mountains of, in the Bible that God moved on. And uh, I have done a, the apostles, every single one of them from birth to grave, where they lived, what they did, how they did it. You know, I mean, some of y'all were in on that. Their entire life, where they all, everything about them. I did Paul's life. From where he was born until he died, every one of his journeys, all of all of that. I've done the miracles of Christ. I've done the parables of Christ. But I've done the, one of my most interesting ones that I've done. But one of the most astounding studies that I've done, and I'm going to do this again later down the road. It might be next year because I'll probably be on these mountains for several months. But the feasts that God commanded to be observed. They weren't optional. And the reason why I'm mentioning that is, is not only did I, I, did, I, I brought every single one of them out in extensive detail. I mean, I had videos and everything on those and every one of them lead into the New Testament. In Mount Ararat, the mountains of Ararat, that's the name of it today, there's it's probably going to take me three lessons to get to it because it's more than just an ark resting on a mountain. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. The, the, the more I study it, I, it's going to take me at least three weeks 
three of my lessons to get through Ararat. And I'll show you where it ties into the Feast because the Feast of Tabernacles is where it ends up. Do you know that the ark rested on Ararat in, mid- in October the 15th or the 17th? That's, during, that's how God had set up down the road after the deliverance of Israel the same week he set the calendar up for the Feast of Tabernacles. And we'll explain that here in just a minute. But Mount Ararat is just not just one mountain. But let's, let me turn this over. Let's go to first to Matthew chapter 24. It takes me, I was telling Brother Larry, it takes me a few minutes to get my thought where I know there's one thing that I want to say and it takes me 45 minutes to get to that. But Matthew chapter 24, verses 37. This is really important here as we read this and get back to Mount Ararat. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the son of, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Okay, when, as the days of Noah were, that was before the law was given. There was no law. There was, and you can see in the land now as the days of Noah were, the law, the laws of the land are being disregarded. We're living in the last days, folks. As it was in the days of Noah, nobody's accountable for anything. They just lived and, and they could st- crime, they could steal and not be accountable. I mean, you can see the entire world, even more so than just the sin and corruption, but the, the, the lawlessness that has got a stamp of approval on it by the heads of the world. We are in the days of Noah. And so we're going to go to Genesis chapter 6. Back over there, I just wanted to do that one. He said, what does Genesis chapter 6 have to do with Mount Ararat? And I will tell you. (laughs) Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, starting with. Well, let's, let's start with verse... Nine. No, verse 11. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its way. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, aren't we, got, aren't we full of violence today? I mean, just, I don't know if you've ever seen this program of Drugs, Inc. I, I watch some, catch one of those sometime. And these people, they're, they're your best friend if you're doing dope. But if you're selling dope beside where they're selling dope, they're going to blow your head off. I mean, that, for no, they'll tell you right there on TV. They put these masks on and says, I kill probably five people every month. Just, I kill them. Because they get in my territory and they're just, they're just shooting people left and right. And they're not accountable for that. Nobody cares about these people that they're killing. You don't hear about it in the news, but these people show, they actually show the, show what happened. 
Anyway, I'm not promoting that program. I'm just saying I watch it because I like to keep up with what, where we are in this world. Okay, when it, before I lead into that, the, the, the main point I want to say about that is, folks, fill your lamps with oil. Keep it burning and trim. It's going to come just like that. We're about ready to check out of here. We're not promised another minute either the rapture or death. So where we are right now, we're on the verge of God coming back with, with his, everything happening. Okay, so now I'll get to the main verse and then we'll flip back to where we are. Chapter 8 of Genesis. And I'll continue on from there. This is really some really good stuff here. Verse 8, and then I'll back up. I'll read a couple of verses here. And God remembered Noah and everything and every living thing and all the cattle was with him in the ark. God made the wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep also and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain in the heaven was restrained and the waters returned from the earth continually after the end of the 150 days and the waters were abated and the ark rested his, this is an important verse here. In the seventeenth, in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, that's October. Upon the mountains of Ararat, not the mountain. There's two mountains. Mount Ararat, the big mountain, the highest peak in Turkey, is sixteen thousand nine hundred and forty-five feet above sea level. Not counting the plains, it's fourteen thousand feet above the plains, but above the sea level. It's two peaks. The great Ararat is above the sea level. Little Ararat is smooth, steep, and perfect cone, 12,782 feet above sea level. I won't remember it, neither will you. I got it written down. None of them, neither of the two mountains have craters, but both of them stretch 14,000 feet above the sea level. And is when we look at how the sea rate went after the, the floods covered them, it went 30 feet, 15 cubics. It went 30 more feet above the highest peak, which covered the entire earth. And uh, so we're going to get into some of this here in a minute. Noah, Genesis 5:32. Keep in mind, this is before law. before there was any accountability for anything. Every man was fended for himself. Okay, we're going to we're going to get into Mount Ararat, but we're going to lead into the genealogy leading up to Noah, which has just fascinated me because there's only one line birth, birth, birth that was righteous. And all of these people that I mentioned had sons and daughters and, and all this stuff. But one out of the lineage followed God. The entire world was corrupt through the rest of them. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 1, and then I'll get something really, really interesting. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, he made he him. Male and female, imagine that, that offends people today. Created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. 
See, he begat a son and called his name Seth. Well, where's Cain and Abel? They don't mention them. But this, this is just a genealogy of Adam. I'm not going to teach on them today. The days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years. And here's, when you look at this right here, and he begat sons and daughters. Why didn't they follow? You know, can you imagine all these people I'm getting ready to read and you look at all of your cousins and all of your aunts and all of your brothers and all of your sisters and everything, the door shut and they're gone. They can't get in. It's over. They're the ones that have corrupted the entire world. Well, part of the corruption, part of the violence, part of the... It, it fascinates me how many people, these people, can you imagine how many people you could father in 800 years? All right. All right, verse 5. And all the days of Adam were 930 years and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. Here's the genealogy of Noah. These people are specifically mentioned. These other people are nowhere mentioned other than they were born. Seth lived after he begat Enos 800 years and 807 years and begat sons and daughters. It never says much about Enos. never says much about Seth, how he led his family, what he did. All it did is tell, leading up to Noah finding grace. Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived and after he begat Canaan 850 years and begat sons and daughters. There's a whole lot of people here being born that aren't following God. If they're not following God because only eight people were in the ark. That means the entire, all these people are, 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 are perished. Okay, verse 12. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalil. Mahalalil. Who would name their kid Mahalalil? I should have studied that and found out what that meant. I like to study and find out what meant, what names mean, but I, just a second here, I'm going to circle that because I want to find out what that, who would name him Mahalalil? Hey, Mahalalil! All right. <laughs> and Canaan lived, verse 13, after he begat Mahalalil 840 years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he and Mahalalel lived 65 years and begat Jared. Jared wasn't much mentioned. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared 800 years and 30 years and begat sons and daughters. I know this may be boring here, but this is real important leading up to... Out of all the religions, they're all accepted except Christianity. Why is that? Why is you can look at Islam, Buddha, all these other religions, and everybody can accept them, but you mention Christianity. That's not. Because all these other religions and denominations have many ways to find God and get to Him. You can do this, you can do that, you can work this and work that. And it's such a broad way and broad path that, oh yeah, you can do whatever you want. Christianity, there's one way. Jesus. And but over, they, they just can't accept that, that Jesus said, I am the way. It's too narrow. Narrow is the way. 
All these, you know, you, all these people are work, 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 but they, they, they can't get it that, you know, that's what the Bible says. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that, that leads anyway. That's, that's part of where we're hidden here with, with Melnarat. Okay, verse 19. And Jared lived after he, one minute, let me read this. Way. And Jared lived 162 years and begat Enoch. Here's where the, here, here's where they started to go back and say, you know what? All this ain't right. You know, all this stuff ain't right. I'm going to follow God. I'm paraphrasing, but you'll see what I'm talking about here shortly. Chapter, verse 20. In all the days of Jared were 902 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. So if you think about it, Enoch is the great-grandfather of Noah. Here's where we're hidden with this. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. This is verse 22 of chapter 5. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Now where are all the sons and daughters at? Where is his family? Where is Enoch's family? You know, He's living righteous before him. He's passing on the torch. And Methuselah lived after, let's see, Methuselah lived 180 years, seven years, and begat Lamech. Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 years and two years and begat sons and daughters. All the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and begat a son and called his name Noah, saying the same shall comfort concerning our work and our toil and our hands because the ground which the Lord had cursed. Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 years, five years and begat sons and daughters. Okay, and all the days of Lamech, 770 years and he died. And I'm going to move along pretty fast here after this one. And Noah was 500 years old, and, be, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and some daughters. They made it. So, you know, it's sad to have a godly man living and worshiping and praising God, and you have children just fly the coop. And it breaks your heart when, hey, you're, you're taking the broad road. But here we got Noah, verse chapter 6. Let's go down to chap, chap, verse 5 of chapter 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. That's where we are, folks. This entire world has gone crazy. And it repented the Lord. It doesn't mean that the Lord bailed us. Oh, forgive me. No, the Lord, it, it, it grieved him that he had even made man after, at this point. Yeah, he was hurt. It's like if you've got a son and you just, oh, no. Why are you doing that? You, you grieve because they're not just not doing what you know is right. 
And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I've made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The generations of Noah, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. That doesn't mean that he was a perfect individual, because Noah was a drunk, actually, if you think about it, at the, towards the end there. I'm not going to teach on that, but it's the heart. Noah found grace in the house. Noah said, I'm following God. I'm, 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 he, his heart was right. Verse 11. This is where I've already read this one. The earth was also corrupt and filled before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon it and said, it was, Behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupt his way. Okay. The next time I, I teach, I'm going to get into the dimensions and show you the man that actually, I'm going to show you some other stuff that's really cool and show you some pictures of the actual ark and how that played out with these dimensions. I'm not going to cover that right now. But this whole book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. When, Air, when that ark landed on the mountains of Ararat, it started a new covenant, a new beginning. And it's, it, it changed everything because there was only eight people left on the earth alive. There are eight great covenants which condition human life and divine redemption. Four of the covenants are in Genesis. This is, might be boring a little bit, but this is just, it's all about error, Adam, I'm telling you. This, the Edenic covenant is a covenant that God made with Adam in the Garden of Eden, sometimes called the covenant of works. And is the first covenant that God made directly with man. In scripture, you got two different types of covenants. One that God makes with the people that's unconditional. He's going to keep it. For example, he's never going to destroy the earth again, ever, with water. I mean, so there's, there's, that, that wasn't, actually, I, let me keep on going. The other four, other covenants are conditional that people must obey the terms of the covenant in order to receive the promise related to it. The Edenic is an example of a conditional because Adam was required to obey the terms in order to not suffer the consequences of breaking it. You got the, uh, that was the Adamic covenant after that, the Noah, Noah, Noahic covenant. I'm not going to cover all these. I will at a future time. The Abrahamic covenant, these are all fundamental covenants to which all the, which, which the other four are related as to aiding detail and development. That didn't mean much. You've got the Mosaic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, and where we are now is in the New Covenant, the New Testament. And it's a covenant that God has made with people. So there are eight all together. Okay, we'll get ready to get moving here. Hang on. Okay. The law was given, not yet given, so there was no law, no consequences for stealing or crime. Here's where we were. Adam, Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalil, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. That was a lineage that feared God. But they still had family that, that uh, died and went to hell. Okay, let me turn here next. 
Okay. I'm trying to get my verses here. This is this is where it really gets cool to me anyway. If I can find it. <laughs> I don't have it. I'll find it. Yeah, right there on the side. Okay. Okay, let's go back to verse chapter 8, verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him and, all, and the ark. And the, God made the wind and to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. Assuaged means to settle down, to subside, to hold back, dissipate, disintegrate, and dry up. That's what assuaged means. And so God caused the wind to start drying it up. The rain stopped, the fountains of the deep... Now, the fountains of the deep are these wells of springs right there that just came and just flooded the entire thing. He caused those to close up and dry up. And it says, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was drained and the waters returned from the earth continually after the end of 150 days and the waters were abated. That means to diminish, lessen, and become defeated. Here's where I'm going to jump ahead here. The ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. Okay. Let's go to Leviticus real quick. Chapter 23. Now, you got to think with me on this one because I have covered these extensively before. But that October, the 10th is the Day of Atonement. That's when Israel is commanded to take their, all of their years of all their disagreements, their sins and their crimes and everything else. The week of October, October 10th and leading up to that, there's another feast, but I'm just specifically talking about the Day of Atonement, October 10th. This is Passover here in April. And October 10th, they're supposed to come to before the priest with their sacrifices. The priest takes the blood. He goes into the temple and he pours it over the altar. God accepts, accepts that sacrifice for their sin for that year. That's, that's on the Day of Atonement. And if you look, uh, uh, let's look at verse chapter 23. Verse 33. Now let's go back further. Chapter 23, verse 1. And I'm telling you, this is really, really cool if you, if you follow me. The Lord spake unto Moses. This is right after, this is after he delivered them out of the land of Egypt. But this is falling back to that week of October when the ark rested on Mary and Ararat. And when it rested on Ararat and his family came out, it marked a new beginning. All the old, all the sin, all the corruption, and everything was behind. It was a new beginning, and it was in October, October the 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 seventeenth in the seventh month. It marked a new beginning, just like now when the Day of Atonement, when all these people come on mid mid October, and they bring their sacrifices. They do away with all their past for the entire year that they've done and it marks a new beginning. It gives them a chance to start over. It gives them a clean slate. It's kind of like, you know, when we, 
I'll tell you what, it's kind of like this. Let's this just came to first John. Let's go real quick and I'm gonna flip back to this. First John chapter one. This is basically what the, what that is. First John chapter one, verse five. This then is the message which we have heard. This is us today. And declared unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we had say we that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a continual cleansing. We're not, we're not under law. But every single time we bow down on our knees and say, oh God, I've had a rough day, Lord, forgive me for this. And we wipe our slate clean. It's a new beginning day in and day out, day in and day out. But we don't lose, we, we don't have to come before the priest. But the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. We're all fallen. We all fail. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's a condition. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's not going to allow us to sit there and run with the dirty slate and just keep on and on and on without a consequence to that, without bringing judgment to it. Where does that fit in? It all fits in. It's, it's, I know we're, that we're talking about grace there, but we're going back on the law. The, the day of atonement was like getting washed and getting clean. That blood, uh, the blood sacrifice just washed and cleansed these people. And, and, they, and they were, oh, thank you. Because here, let me see, okay. What would happen is they, 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 the, the priest would bring it to the high priest, the high priest, the sacrifice, the blood of the, the sacrifice of the people, the red heifer. And he would, the, the only one person was allowed behind that big veil. Now, what has this got to do with there at? I'll tell you shortly. <laughs> this is really good. So you got this big, long, thick veil, and the only one that was, was allowed behind that veil was the high priest. And Jesus now is our high priest. And they would bring this sacrifice to him. This is outside with the showbread. Where's two veils? I'm not going to get into that. That's down the road. But the high priest scared. He had to be right. Nobody was allowed behind that veil but the high priest. And they would, he would have a rope tied to him with a little bell on his leg. And long as the people heard that bell ringing, he was still alive. Anybody to get behind that veil dropped instantly. Dead. If they weren't right. So he's bringing the blood sacrifice in and uh, trembling before God. Sets it on the altar. God, <laughs> fire brings down and, and, and sucks the blood sacrifice and accepted it. He comes out, it's done. People would cry from all over the hills. It's done. It's done. It's done. And the people rejoice. And, and, and that this was the day of atonement. that their, their sins were forgiven. And then he commands them. I'll get into this verse in a second. Now have a feast. Now you have your feast of tabernacles. It's a feast of booths. It's where you can go into your little booth and you can just remember how God has delivered you. And, and, and it's kind of like if you just remember the day you got saved. Do you remember the conviction came? And you just remnant sometimes and you get so full of the Spirit. Oh, God, I remember the day when the Lord saved me. 
That's on Perry's song. I just remember at that old-fashioned altar where I laid down and I knew that I, 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 and I accepted it and I started over. This is what the people are experiencing after the Day of Atonement, a new fresh start. They're going to fail like us, but they have to keep sacrificing. We do not. Let's look at verse chapter 23 of Leviticus. And the children of Israel, verse 2, Let's start one again. I'm going to have to go pretty fast. I told you this is going to take three lessons for me to get through it. And it's all about man Ararat landing on that mountains. It's all about that ark landing on the mountains of Ararat on October the 17th. That's what this whole lesson is focusing on. And you'll see right here. The Lord spoke unto Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and saying to them concerning the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim a holy convocations, even in these are my feasts. See, a holy convocation, there's four of them. Where it's Jewish law, every single person that is a Jew has to come to the walls and observe that feast. Day of Atonement, they have no choice. That's their law. They have to come. Passover, they have to come. A holy convocation is when the entire nation is gathered together to observe. That is what a holy convocation is. In verse 3 of chapter 23, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath and rest, a holy convocation. You should do no work in them. It is your Sabbath for the Lord of the Lord in all your dwellings. Verse 4, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in this season. The 14th day of the first month, that's April, that's what we're observing now, is, is the Lord's Passover. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really have time to, to get back into that. But when that temple, when Christ said it is finished, it's done and gave up the ghost and that veil of the temple was rent, he became our Passover. He became our high priest. He now, now we can go to him and he presents his blood to God for our sins. We don't have to have an accountability to go to another man, to another priest. We got direct access to the throne. You know, after that veil was rent, these Jews that, that hated Christ tried to get in there and sew it back together and still worship and they had no power. The blood was not accepted. There was nothing there. It was, I mean, this is history. This is not just, just this. You can trace this back. They tried to, to work the power of God back down there, and it was gone. He was standing, he, he had presented the blood that was not bull and goats and sheep. But we'll, this is, I'm really getting to the best part. And uh, I know it might have been kind of boring leading up to this, but come back in two weeks. <laughs> this gets really good. Let me finish up here. Okay, verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. The 14th day of the first month is the Lord's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'm not going to cover all those. But we are going to go up to verse 24 of chapter 23. Because I want to jump up. See, I've covered... Let's go. In the seventh month of October, this is October, the seventh month. This is the same month in history prior that the ark landed 
on Ararat. Noah came out, Noah and his family, and they sacrificed, and they had a new beginning, and they, and they set everything up, and it was, and started the entire creation, and they had the, the Noahic covenant. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, the first day of the month, shall you have the Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets. Now that's a whole different feast. That's a whole different occasion. Man, I know y'all remember. That was, I showed some stuff on that. Okay, verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, In the tenth day of this month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no servile work, and ye shall do no work the same day, for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be, shall not be afflicted the same day shall he be cut off from amongst his people. So instead of grace, they had law. This is how they got forgiveness of their sins. And this is the same month that Ararat became in the picture. These dates were, were set up early in Genesis. We were uh, way before Moses. Okay, and then I'm going to finish up with this. This is where I'm going to have to finish up. Okay, verse 31 real quick of chapter 23. You should do no man of work, and it shall be a statue for you throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Verse 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month, it's October 15th, shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. The first day shall be a holy convocation and should do no work. But the, uh, I'm going to have to stop right there. The thing of it is the Feast of Tabernacles. You can read all through the Bible how even in Zechariah, you know, when we, I, don't, I can't develop that. I've got three minutes. <laughs> During the millennium even, we are commanded that we're going to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. For a thousand years, we are going to observe Feast of Tabernacles, and I can explain that further. I'm going to have to finish. I won't be able to develop that. I hate leaving us hanging, but we're out of it. I'll tell you what, one more verse. i got time for one more. Verse 9, Hebrews, real quick. i got time for two more verses. Three. Three more verses. <laughs> I'm going to stretch it out because I don't want to leave nobody hanging. I got pages here. It's Hebrews chapter 9, real quick. I promise you, and I'm done. Verse 9, verse 1. Then verily the first covenant also had an ordinance and divine service of worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was a candlestick and a table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, the first veil. After the second veil, the tabernacle was called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant and round about the golden lane where the golden pot and the manna and Aaron's rod and budded and the tables of the covenant. And after and over it with the cherubims and the glory shown in the mercy seat, which cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests were always in the first in the tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But the second veil, the second went the high priest alone once a year. That's not without blood, and that's, that's critical. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and the heirs of the people. 
The Holy Ghost signifying the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. That was Christ. I don't have time to just quite finish that. But verse 11, listen, I'm going to have to rush through this, and I'll, I'll get back deeper in this next time, but it's all about October the 17th, when that ship landed on Ararat, mountains of Ararat. It's, I'm just getting started with that, folks. Verse 11, Christ becoming the high priest of good things to come by a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not to say this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood entered once into the holy place, obtaining eternal redemption for us. We don't have to, folks, keep on going back and getting saved over and over again. We don't have to go back to no high priest and go in there and say, look here, Father, excuse me because I had an error. Could you go to God for me? No, when that veil of that temple rimped in truth, that God opened up that door for us that we can go directly to God through Jesus Christ, through the blood, and, and to get to Him, we get on our knees, oh God, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, Lord, cleanse me. I need to reach God. I need, to, I need His touch. I need His healing. Lord God, Jesus, forgive me. Clean me up. And then so you can feel it. Then we can go trembling because we got the blood of Jesus. We don't have to be fearful, but we can go before that holy God with the blood of Jesus and say, God, I just want to praise you. I just want to love you. But my daddy's saved. I've got a son that's wayward. You know the end of the beginning. You know, the beginning to the end. But right now, Lord, you know what I need. I just want to praise you. I just want to thank you for saving me. Thank you for this blood. Bless your name. And step out of his presence. Because it's, it's, I tell you what, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. When we get there, we can't just say, most people's prayer life is thank you, Jesus, for my food, amen, and God, 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 that's their prayer life. Prayer is much more, much different. I mean, we all pray quick prayers and all that, but when we want that holy anointing, where we want to get into the presence of God, folks, we have to be ready to meet that need. We, we got to be ready to receive it. He's, because if we hide iniquity in our heart, God says He's not going to hear us. Although He knows what's going on. I've got to stop. I'm over. What does that got to do with Aaron? We'll continue that next time. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.